0: Last Sunday, thank you for your prayers. It propped me up all day. We had the service, we had the family feast, and then we had the AGM. And afterwards I went home and I put my head, actually I didn't even put it on the pillow, I sat in a chair and I took a breath and that's all I remember for two hours. I was gone. It was, an, it was the best Sunday afternoon nap I've had in a long time. Uh, so do thank you so much for your prayers. I feel much better today. Keep praying for Cheryl. She is not well at all. A sinus infection and all that stuff so yeah keep her in your prayers and I'm sure there are many who are struggling as well with this crazy cold that's been going around uh, at the AGM we had a wonderful time it was a very good meeting very positive lots of good things that God is doing as most of you were able to read in the AGM report that was handed out to everybody um, I just want to thank our elders I believe most of them are here today uh, if you're an elder in our church could you I, I just ask you to stand please Harry, Mike, Josh up there with the black eye from Too Much Hockey. Eh? Yeah. And uh, we're missing Dave, who I believe is in Edmonton, and also, of course, Les, who's in California on the beach somewhere. Yeah. Uh, We want to thank you, gentlemen, for being a part of our leadership team, and also your wives who support and encourage and send you out to these meetings that we have, and also for ministry. Uh, They're just wonderful, wonderful families, and so let's just thank God for them. Let's thank them for being His servants today. (laughs) As part of that meeting, uh, a very sort of healthy discussion came out of that regarding our ministry to children. And so I was going to start a new series today, um, and uh, I decided that I would put that on hold because... I think it's important for us to know why we work with children and young people in our church. Why is that important? I mean, I know you think it's important, and I know that we support the church and money goes towards those ministries, and I know that they have a limited number of helpers, always could use more helpers with the children's ministry. Uh, But I know that you know that it's important, but not always do we understand from the scripture why it's important that we look after children and young people in our church. I want to thank Pastor Alex and Erica and their team for what they do with our young people in our church and the meetings that they host and the games, the nights that they put on and the time that they spend with leaders of the young people and also the young people themselves. It's, it's a great ministry. It's fun. It's challenging. Uh, I don't know if all of your team is here, Pastor Alex, are you here? Uh, is all your team here today? Can you just sort of, can you point them out to us? Who helps with our young people in our church? Okay. Carrie Lynn up here. Yeah. Lane, is he here today? Okay. Right. But we need to say thank you to them. Pass. Yeah, pass. <laughs> that's exactly why I brought it up no no (laughs) yeah just thank them for setting such a great example you know (laughs) no thank them for sure thank them for sure absolutely on Friday at lunch we had around 35 high school students 36 36 high school students here for lunch yeah it's exciting There's some great things that God is doing. Um, And so why? Why are we putting energy and time and money and sacrifice and uh, giftings? Why are we pouring those out towards our children and our young people? Well, I want to walk us through some of what Jesus did with parents and children. And I believe you'll be a little bit surprised because of how important they were to Jesus while he was on this earth. Children and parents had many conversations with the Lord. And oftentimes they involve miracles and most of us look at the miracle but we don't recognize, well, who was the ones being blessed in these miracles? And many of them were with parents and children. Some of them younger children and some of them older children, youth even. And so we want to have a look at this And understand from the scriptures why it's important to experience Christ as a child. Even in a nursery. You know, you might sometimes think it's sort of glorified babysitting. That is not the case. It is a ministry. And they are taught the scriptures. And they are encouraged to play and encourage, have built good positive memories about being here. And I know sometimes it's hard for parents to leave their kids in there when they cry. I know that. And I know that number starts flashing and everybody starts moving. But it's very important that we as a church offer that kind of ministry to little ones who can barely sit up. It's important for us to minister to those who can stand, walk, play, and even be a little irritating at times. In children's ministry, it's very important for us to do that. Part of it is simply because God has his eye always on the next generation. And so we should as well. We must follow our example, the example of our God who constantly reminded us through the scriptures of the importance of the next generation. And I believe in this time and this age, wow, the difficulties, hey, Figuring out, as a parent, figuring out how to manage the internet in your home. It's a Goliath. And you don't always get it right. And sometimes you find out after the fact how you got it wrong. And you feel guilty and ashamed or helpless or, I mean, we need each other to help in the parenting of children. Uh, We want to support our parents. We want to encourage our parents. We want to do everything we can to support what they're doing in the home. Even some of them who come from homes where Jesus is not yet honored, they come here and they find Jesus who is honored. What a different world for them. Imagine going back home and you're trying to explain what you learned in Sunday school and it's just hard for your parents to understand because they're not there. They haven't found faith yet in Jesus. What a powerful thing that is, though. We've had many children come to faith in Jesus over the years. We've been here, many children have come to faith. What a time to come in faith, right? Some of us who became Christians later on in our, our years wish we could have had a time of faith when we were little. We think to ourselves, what a difference that would make in our lives if only we'd have had some investment of the faith of the kingdom of God as a child, And parents, of course, doing the best they can to teach the children how to take life as it is and take faith as it is and weave them together. It's not easy. Can I hear an amen from my parents out there? Yeah. It's not something to be taken lightly, and no wonder we find in Scripture parents coming to Jesus to have him bless their children. No wonder. My wife and I did everything we could to try and help our kids know who Jesus is. We tried to help them understand that just because they were pastors, kids didn't mean anything. What meant something was their relationship with Jesus. But it was hard to separate that sometimes, especially when they misbehaved. When they misbehaved sometimes in church, you know, there were people who said, well, you're the pastor's daughter. You should behave. Oh, I wanted to rip a strip off of somebody that said that. It's not because they're the pastor's daughter that they should behave. It's because they have a lati- relationship with Jesus and want to. So I was always trying to counteract some well meaning, I called them well meaning dragons. <laughs> Nothing personal, but that's how I talked to them to my kids. <laughs> they're well meaning dragons. I'm still praying for my kids to this day, you know, that they would have a positive encounter with the living Christ and his church, and his church. I know many of you are still praying for some of your adult children, that they would also come into faith like this. You see, our families, they're dear to us. Are they not? Hello? Hello? And so as a family of believers, our children are dear to us. They're important to us. We sometimes have, uh, you know, dedications up here, right? We have uh, the child dedication or baby dedications. And part of that is to, you know, to honor God by making a vow that parents will look after their children and nourish them in the nature of Christ and so on. But then at part of it, we also ask the congregation, will you help? And we stand together and we say, we will help. Because we all know that if you're trying to do it all on your own, especially as a single mom, hey, wow. Or a single dad, hey, not easy. Not, not easy. You need the family of God around you. One of the things, that the, the dearest memories that I have as a child growing up, I had at least six grandmas. I had my real grandmas. And then I had Grandma Kinsman, Grandma Collins, Grandma Taves. I had so many grandmas, I got them confused sometimes, but it was awesome. I had aunties, I had uncles who were not my aunties and uncles, because we were a family. And part of that was Grandma Taves, when I misbehaved, she would pinch me on the butt. Oh! (laughs) And then later on, as a teenager, even when I wasn't misbehaving, she would pinch me on the butt, and I was starting to get a little nervous then. (laughs) <laughs> Grandma, you need to go home and talk to Grandpa. <laughs> when I worked with the Chinese in New Zealand, that was huge. And the Filipinos. Hey, auntie, auntie, uncle. That's who they called everybody in church. Anybody older than them, auntie, uncle. Uncle. It was, it was beautiful to see them relating to each other that way. And it is, it's a family atmosphere that drives us not just to put on programs. I mean, we want to put on programs, but it's about what happens in those programs, connecting lives together, little lives with older lives. And what happens in those is that there's a mentoring, there's a discipleship that takes place that is at the heart, it's at the core of our Christian faith. So this morning, I want us to enjoy a journey. Let's walk with Jesus through several stories. I have five stories, and I'll just draw a few points from each of them, but I want you to pay particular attention as we go through these stories. I'm going to have parents actually stand and read them at different points. Uh, Gord, are you ready with number one? All right, we're going to need a microphone over by Gord. We're going to have parents stand and read them. And then I'll make a few points, but while they're reading them, oh, thanks, Harry. Uh, While they're reading them, think about the interactions. Not so much the miracles. I mean, they're important, too. I want us to notice those as well. But I want us to see the interactions. I want us to notice how Jesus interacts with parents and children. I want us to notice that. Because that will give us why. Why it's important. If it's important to Jesus, it's important to his followers. And so let's begin. Are you ready? So, if you want to follow along, it's going to be read to us, but if you want to follow along, I'll read out the the passage. It's going to come from Mark chapter 10, verses 13 to 16. So, if you're new to faith, your best friend is your table of contents. Look for the book of Mark in the New Testament. The book of Mark is divided into chapters and verses. Chapter 10, starting at verse 13. Okay? We'll just give you a second. Hang on there, Gord. Take a moment. Find it if you want to read along. These will be read out of the NIV translation. And Gord, thank you. Go ahead. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and put his hands on them and blessed them. Oh, wow. Thank you, Gord. Isn't that beautiful? Parents, we're bringing their children to Jesus. It's got to be a priority. Parents, you've got to have a priority of getting those children to Jesus any way you can, any way you can, but it's about showing them who he is, it's about demonstrating who Jesus is in your life, I've often believed that the best parenting is a healthy marriage, let's start there. If you don't have a healthy marriage, you've got to get one. You've got to do everything you can. You've got to turn every rock, every stone, everything that can hinder, everything that builds a bridge, everything that would hinder in building a bridge must be dealt with so that you can have a good relationship, so that you can show them the power of Christ and how to relate to each other. It starts there. It starts there. If your marriage is struggling, get Help. If your marriage is struggling, go for counseling. Don't be too proud, especially you men. Don't be too proud to get help. It's a super important part of being a good parent. And in order to get your children to Jesus, you have to show them who he is or they won't want him. They won't want the Jesus you talk about if you don't treat your wife well. They won't want the Jesus you talk about if you don't treat your husband well. They won't want him. Would you agree? Hello? So it starts there. Wanting to take your kids to Jesus is a great thing, but if you don't start here in your own hearts, it's a journey that could easily be wasted. That's not to say it's an inevitable outcome. Thank God, (laughs) because none of us are perfect. However, that's not an excuse if you have problems in your marriage, get help. Get counseling. We offer it as pastors. We offer it through connections, through counselors. We'll do everything we can to help you have a good marriage so that you can bring your kids to Jesus and they'll want him. Okay? Now, What happens in the story is they wanted Jesus to touch the kids. They wanted him to come and bless them. That's what that means. But the disciples were rebuking them. What? Why? Can you imagine coming to church and having someone who greets you and says good morning to you and then says, Why did you bring your kids? How would you feel about that, parents? I think you'd do a U turn and you'd go over to some other place. Hey? If we met you at the door and discouraged you from bringing your kids, oh my goodness, what are we doing? And so Jesus rightly, it says, is indignant. When's the last time you were indignant? Hey? What does it take to make you indignant? Well, I'll tell you what. One of the things that I believe we as a church, we represent Jesus in these stories. We are the hands, we are the feet, we are Christ to those around us. So we are Jesus, and we need to be a little indignant when children are thought of as less important in the kingdom. If you find that kind of attitude, stomp it out with all the energy you have. Jesus was indignant. And he told his disciples, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. Did you hear that? In God's kingdom, the children should not be hindered. The youth should not be hindered. There are so many barriers in life alone already that have set themselves up against the knowledge of God that we are constantly as parents praying them down. We need to have open arms here. Open hearts here for children, for youth, and for ministry to them. You know, it's a very important part of life growing up, isn't it? Most children, and sometimes young people too, you know, they live 90% of the time, well, depending how young they are, 100% of the time, out of their emotions. Would you agree? You can't really reason with a little one. You can't kind of. But it's just what they, you ask them, why did you do that? I don't know. They really don't know why. They just felt like doing it. I was asked that a million times, and I could never really think, why did I do that? Well, I felt good, I guess, or I wanted to. It was all about emotions. It wasn't about logic. And so we have to be able to understand that having them in Jesus' presence and having him willing to bless them, that smiling welcome, is very important to children, Pat them on the head. Interact with them. Just because they're down here doesn't mean anything. Interact with them. Last week we were up here, Pastor Alex had somebody run up and say, here, I made this for you during the service. Isn't that awesome? That's interactive. That's what we should be like. We should be interacting and bringing our kids, not discouraging them, and doing everything we can to pull down every barrier that exists in order to make the children have not only a positive experience, and our young people have not only a positive experience, but also they find out who Jesus is. And they're blessed by him, and they're touched by him through our church. Are you with me, church? These are important, important things. Now, Jesus tips the whole thing on its head. And he basically tells us that in the kingdom of God, you've got to become like a child, Or you can't even get in. Talk about elevating children. You see, we adults, we get all hung up with emotional problems. We get all hung up with regrets and our pride gets in the way. But, you know, kids aren't like that. They hear a story about Jesus, oh, wow. Hey, they're just amazed. And they're full of wonder and wide-eyed wonder at that. Because of who he is. We sometimes, we have to think through, okay, well, is it the proper theological term of this, which is important. I'm not putting it down. Please don't misunderstand. But from a child's perspective, if Jesus has touched the leader's life, he will touch the little one's life. Because when we talk about Jesus, he is our passion. We just sang about him. He is our heart. And when we talk about Jesus to our young people and we set up things like having a lunch here and young people walking through the doors of a church. Why do you think God put us on this property? Hey, why? See you, Lucy. She's had enough of this sermon. It's so beautiful to see young people walking through those doors. Some of them, yes, they're connected to our church. I don't know. Would you say, where did he go, Alex? Is he around here? He's probably helping with the kids. Some of them aren't, I know that. I don't know how many weren't. But you know, Lisa started that last year. She planted a seed. I know it was done several years ago. Well, that seed was recultivated and re-watered. And then because of things that happened in Lisa's life, we've had to find some more people to do that, and now they're taking it and they're running with it. Thank you, Lisa, for reinvesting that. Thank you. What a great thing. Absolutely. (laughs) Mary Jean is not here today. I wish she was, hey? When we got here, I was amazed at how much energy Mary Jean had for kids. It seemed to be endless. She seemed nervous and tiny because of her energy for children. To me. And then she stepped out of the way because she was starting to feel that God was calling something else into her life, and Tammy stepped in, and Tammy is back there now working with her kids, and they come out here on Tuesday nights, is it, for Club DJ? Thank you, McKenzie's, for taking time out of your busy days to come down here and the teams that you work with to minister to kids Amen. in the middle of the week, yeah. Absolutely. We do not want to hinder. We want to provide as much as we can to help them know who Jesus is, have an understanding of the scriptures, and know his blessing because those around him bless them in the name of Jesus. I love that story. And it's a good way to start it because in each of these interactions now with Jesus, we find that <laughs> he, he was faithful to his word. He was looking to minister to parents and children. So, the second one is going to be read by Kelly Hartman. So, Mr. Hartman, if you wouldn't mind, just wait for a moment. There's a mic coming for you. This one's found in John chapter 4, starting at verse 46. So, if you want to follow along, John chapter 4 and verse 46. Go ahead
1: once more he visited Cana in galilee where he had turned the water into wine and there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at capernaum when this man heard that jesus had arrived in galilee from judea he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders jesus told him you will never believe The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus replied, you may go, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his (coughs) son got better, they said to him, the fever left, left him yesterday at the seventh hour. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus said to him, your son will live. So he and all his household believed. This was the second miraculous sign that Jesus performed, having come from Judea to Galilee.
0: Thank you, Kelly. Well read. What a magnificent story about a royal leader, an official, a government official, who heard That Jesus was in town. And so he took the time to go and see him and tell Jesus about the problem. He begged him to come to his house and heal his boy. Do you feel the urgency in that? Which one of us parents wouldn't do exactly the same? given the opportunity. It doesn't matter that I'm a religious symbol or a religious person. When it comes to the relationship I have with my boy, I will set those things aside in order to get to Jesus. Hello. And Jesus, he kind of rebukes him. Did you notice that? Unless you see a sign and wonder, you're not going to believe. But it's almost as if it's water off a duck's back. Because there's no response except, come, come. But Jesus just looked at him and said, you can go now. Your child, (laughs) your child lives. Your child is healed. And I love this part. And the man took what he said, believed it, and headed home without any proof. Without any proof. Folks, if you want to engage your faith, this is the arena. The arena of faith is engaged over the next generation. Our prodigy and the, those of us who represent here, our prodigies, the ones who come behind, the generation behind, you want to put us on our knees quick? Just touch the health of our children. Just touch we go to our knees, and we beg, right? And this is a story about Jesus who says, it's even more important that you understand who I am. And the result of Jesus' words was that not so much the man was concerned about the miracle, but he believed him anyway. Based on the word Jesus spoke to him, which seemed negative, he believed. And when Jesus told him, go ahead, your son will live he went, he turned, he went, and then he was amazed. What was he amazed with? The exact time that Jesus said those words, that was when the child, the boy became better. The fever left him. Now, this is such an important miracle. How many of you remember from Sunday school what the first miracle of Jesus is? Water into wine. It's mentioned right at the very top of this story. So Jesus had left after he did that, and he was, he was now back, And John makes sure we understand the miracle of water into wine was about Jesus saying there's a new thing happening in the kingdom. And what you used to have is is not going to contain what is now here. And then the second miracle that Jesus performed is the healing of a child from a great distance away and the faith of the father to believe. Isn't it beautiful? The first miracle, yes, we understand, okay, Jesus is talking about water to wine. It's going to be that different in the kingdom that he's bringing. But the second miracle he does, according to John the Apostle, is that he looks after a father who is begging for his son. What does that tell you about its value in terms of the kingdom? If the first one describes what's going to happen in general terms, big terms, water into wine terms, the second one gets right down to the skinny. What's it about? Families, daddies and sons, mamas and daughters, parents and children. This is the second miracle of Jesus. Folks, is it important to Jesus? Jesus, hello, you bet it is. We must come as we are seeking Jesus. The best part is, of course, the miracle. But the next thing that happens is even more beautiful than a son who is raised from his fever, and is this verse uh, 53. So he and all his household believed. Believed. When we work with children, when we minister through young people and children, we are not solely touching their lives. We are touching the families they come from. Hello? That's who we're touching. We're reaching into the families who they come from, whom they represent. We're reaching into those families because we want those families to believe. Working with children, working with young people is a gateway into faith for families. How, Im- how valuable, I mean, you can't even put a price on that, really. Hey, that's how important it is to Jesus, and so it should be to us. All right, next one, Nicole. Nicole Vanderkaden, Mark chapter 7, if you're going to follow along. Uh, Daryl, she's over here. And uh, Mark chapter 7, and we're going to read 24 to 30 this time.
2: 24 to 30. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian... Uh, Phoenicia. Mm -hmm. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Household pet. Yes, Lord, she replied, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply you may go. The demon has left your daughter She went home and found her child lying on the bed, and the demon was gone.
0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What an interchange with this woman, though, eh? First of all, you need to know, this is the first time, and I think it's the only time, that Jesus left Israel. So we're talking about a first time here. He leaves the people of Israel, whom he was called to preach the gospel, the good news of the poor to, right? Hello? Hello? He leaves to get some time away, some rest, some maybe some teaching time with his disciples. Somehow they found a house. They go into this house. They don't want anybody to know he's there. He's kept in secret. And I want to tell you something. Even ministries that fumble the ball, even ministries that I have been in that we had to actually stop and restart, even those ministries have fruit. They have fruit. Because even in secret, somehow the news gets out. Somehow they knew in that pagan country, this Gentile land, that Jesus was staying at Bob's house. And as soon as that woman heard, she rushed to that house. She fell at her feet. We are told specifically she's not Jewish. And she gets into a dialogue with Jesus over a demon that has attacked her daughter. You know something, folks? Our children are vulnerable to evil. They not only need our prayers and the covering of the prayers of their parents and the walk of Christ as parents, but they also need a community of faith. They need a community around them because there is much evil out there. Much. And children have no defenses. What is their defense? The people they trust. That's their only defense. And if those trusts are broken, we're going to get to this in a little. I won't go too far down this road. But if they're broken, all manner of hell can break loose on our little ones. This is serious stuff. This is not stuff to mess with. And thankfully, it's not only a Jewish story because it includes all of us here. Hey, all of us here now have been walked into this story. This isn't only for the Jewish people. This is now for anyone who's not Jewish. They have this dialogue. Jesus tells a parable about, you know, the children (coughs) should be fed first before they give anything to the dogs. Now, he wasn't calling her a dog. Please don't hear that. He was using very gentle words, like a a pet, household pet, okay? We used to have a little shih tzu. And we were always amazed after this little puppy died how dirty the floor was. I mean, my wife isn't a dirty person. I would clean, she would clean. But no matter what, we did. We soon found out how good of a vacuum cleaner Sonny was. (laughs) Lapping up the crumbs. But you can tell in this story that she is engaged. That's the thing I love about this too, is this woman was thoughtful and faithful and she wasn't Jewish. You know what she basically argues with Jesus? She said, if the Jews don't want you, does that mean I can't have you? That's what she was saying. Folks, if the Jews are going to reject you, can't I have you? Well, Jesus was most impressed with her answer. (laughs) And he basically said, go, your child. From a distance again, right? From a distance, the demon has left your daughter. She goes home and finds her bed. Demon gone. There's no scary stuff. There's no throwing anybody around or screaming. There's not even a command by Jesus. He just is so powerful. When he saw this woman's faith, when he saw her determination, he sent word through the airways from his brain to the brain of a demon and said, get out. There's no record of him saying anything. Just go. She's well. And she went home and found it so. Now, folks, this is so important for us as a church to realize. We are the protection around the children, not only of our church, but of this community. Right? The ones outside. The ones that, are not, the ones that aren't of the household of faith, we'll call it that way. Right? You, do you think they care any less about their kids than we do? Hello, are you with me? Come on do you think they care any less? Well, maybe there are a few families who are suspect in that area. But i got to tell you, most of the ones we know, they care deeply, just as much as we do about our kids and about our young people. And you know, we have to have a vision that looks outside these walls. We have to say to the people who are not of the household of faith, "We're, we're here for your kids. We open it up for your kids to come and have a Hot dog for a buck and a bag of chips. We're here. A positive influence. A good experience at the church. Hey? I would love to be a fly in the wall. When they go home afterwards and one of their parents says, hey, what did you have for lunch today? You didn't take a lunch with you. Well, I went to the church and had a hot dog. You went where? (laughs) Are you following me? You see, we have to be like Jesus this way. We can't discriminate. Even Jesus was saying, listen, it's not actually proper for me to minister right now because I've I've been called by God to take the message to the people of Israel first. But her answer so impressed him. Well, the Jews aren't accepting you. So how about, can I have a little of that? Wow. May we be like her, hungry, engaged, On behalf of the child who was ridden with evil. We have to be serious about this. Would you agree? We may even have to perform deliverances for children. Not to freak them out. I've always told parents, go pray over your children when they're sleeping. Pray over them don't touch them. Don't even have to say it out loud. You just go into the room and you pray over them. Now dads, if your teenager is a daughter, stand at the door. Don't go into a room. Be proper about it. Stand at the door and pray. Our president, Dave Hearn, They had a daughter who was definitely wayward. She'd gone down a long way away from God and church and everything else. And Dave, when he tells the story, Dave would go and lie on the floor in front of her door and pray for her until he fell asleep. This is serious stuff. We cannot for a second let our guard down. We must pursue Christ at all costs for ourselves and for our children. Now, maybe your kids are growing up and you can't do that anymore. You know what? You can still, you can still pray. You can pray from a distance. Hallelujah. If your kids live in Halifax, you can pray for them in Vancouver, and there is no time delay. Hallelujah. All right, next story. Stephanie, Please stand and read Mark chapter 9. She's going to need a microphone. Mark chapter 9. We're going to start at verse 17. So Mark chapter 9. This is a little bit longer, but I promise you it'll be just as inspiring. Go ahead.
3: A man in a crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who was possessed by a spirit that has robbed him from speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they cannot. O oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the, the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From infancy, he answered, It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus has gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can only come out by prayer.
0: Hmm. What do you think the main point of that message is? There's a few, isn't there? (laughs) There's a lot to unpack in this. I don't want to take too much time, but I want us to notice a couple of things. Number one, the voice of children is robbed by evil. The demon took his speech. Our little ones have things to say. According to Acts chapter 4, the Spirit of God is going to be poured out on our children, sons and daughters. God can use them for the kingdom. They're not only just to be looked after on Sunday morning. Sometimes their voice is the voice that needs to be heard. Because they cry out innocently praises to God. The evil one wants to shut them up. Not only does he want to shut them up, but he wants to throw them. He wants to burn them. He wants to injure them. This is the desire of the evil one. I love how Jesus, <laughs> it's actually quite comical. Here's this kid rolling around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus decides at that moment to have a conversation with the father. So, how long has your boy been like this? <laughs> you know, I'm sure there was a very hurt. Well, he's been like this since the end Do the do Do something, please do something. Okay, you know, he has this conversation in the middle of this healing. You know why though? He does not want to omit the faith of the father for his child. That's why he turned his direction towards the father while the son is on the ground breathing. Jesus wants to have a talk with you parents about your children. Even while things are going horribly, they're foaming at the mouth and they're rolling around. He wants to have a talk with you. He wants to inspire your faith. He wants you to trust in him. That's what he wants. He wants you to trust in him for your child. And then Jesus performs a beautiful miracle. Later, his disciples say, how come we couldn't do this? Because you need to pray up. We need to be praying for our young people. We, we need to be praying for our children. We need to. I know sometimes our weekends of fast and prayer, we focused on our children and families. That's important. And as we minister to some of these ones who have been under the pressure of evil because of decisions that adults around them whom they trust have made, because the influence of the enemy is on them, they need our prayers. They need our prayers. And parents, they need our support. They need us to pray with them to pray for them, to encourage them, even while stuff is not happening the way we'd like it to happen. What a beautiful story, hey? And a wonderful outcome. Finally, last story before we finish this morning. So I've asked Andrew and Danelle, Cliff, if they wouldn't mind reading. So this story comes out of Luke chapter 8. Verses 40 to 56. It's 16 verses long, so it'd be good if you had a Bible in front of you. That way you can help stay focused. So Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 40. For starting at verse 40. Who's going to read first? Donnell? Yeah. You're going to read first? Okay. Thank you so much. Go for it.
2: Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus, Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you, but Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her daughter, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace.
0: While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not leave anyone or let anyone go in with him except Peter and John and James and the children's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. And Jesus said, stop wailing. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her up by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. <laughs> How do you think that went? <laughs> Don't tell anybody who's the I mean, the people outside were waiting there laughing because they thought Jesus was just being silly. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I love the story for a few reasons, but you cannot escape the desperation that's in there. Can you? This woman is a part of the story. Desperate for Jesus to touch her, tried everything. No one could help her. Jairus, who's a religious leader, who had the whole religious community probably not supportive of his going to Jesus would you agree? He didn't care. Why? It's his son. Sorry. (laughs) That was a fatal mistake. No. It's his daughter. (laughs) There she was. Hey, begging, desperate, I love how they come. This is not the first time somebody's fell at Jesus' feet. Hey, this is now the third time, I think, in these stories where they've come and fell at Jesus' feet. You see, you can just sense the desperation. And my prayer for us, I know it was a long story to take a single point. My my story, my prayer for us, for myself, is that we would find ourselves in this kind of desperation on behalf of the next generation. We want them to know Jesus. We want our young people to shine for Christ in a culture that has no use for him and even mocks him. We want our children to shine for Christ, to be mighty oaks of of joy and strength in the midst of a garden full of trees that are poplars, that they would grow to be mighty and strong. We want our children to know Jesus before they can even figure out how to walk. They want, we want them to be exposed to his grace and his mercy and his joy and his teachings. Do you know why we do this now as a church? If you just went through these stories, instead of saying, Jesus, just say, hit an alliance church. We must minister. We must minister to parents. We must minister to children and youth we must. Now there's lots of different ways to do it. The way we do it is how we have chosen. And so we invest. We invest not only money, but we invest our prayers because these little ones need our prayers. And we invest our our gifts and our time and our sacrifice. I mean, you can come and help Because we believe in this stuff so much. You can come and help. One of the things that talked about the AGM was we we need more help. And it aches me that we can't seem to get enough help. Why not? Why not? If it's that important to Jesus, can't it be that important to us? And you think, well, what can I do? I don't even have a, a gift towards kids or I don't care about kids or whatever. You know, at the very least, Jesus said, go and make disciples. And you have two opportunities that are actually programmed into the church to be a disciple maker. You go in, you pray over, you encourage, you love on, in the name of Jesus, our children. You go in, you pray over, you love over, you teach, you love on, you go with, you have fun with our young people. You have them into your home. You know, I think Alex would love it if you say, hey, why don't you come over to our house and play some games tomorrow, you know, some night. Invite them in. Uh, One of the best things that happened to me as a kid in Sunday school, and I was rambunctious. I had trouble sitting still, like some of our little ones here do. You know, I learned something even as a kid. My Sunday school teacher, who I didn't like very much, because he was always barking at me to calm down or shut up. You know, not without good reason. Okay? I didn't like him very much, but when he offered to take a few of us boys on a horseback weekend, everything changed after that. Everything. And I credit him with my own spiritual journey as a key post, a signpost. He helped me. He took me on a weekend. I hated it. But I loved him for it. I got home. My butt was so sore. My legs were so sore. I could hardly move from riding that horse for so many hours. But I learned some campground skills, and I learned how to light a fire, and I learned how to go swimming in the river with my undies with my other buddies for a split second, because the Wapiti River is not known for its warmth. That's a, that's a Sunday school memory that I will never forget. And it is a stepping stone, a building block of my faith. And I thank God for it. So what can you offer? Hey, what can you offer? You know, that time we took our side-by-side over to the picnic for the Father's Day picnic, there were kids lined up to get in that thing to go for a ride. I could have kept going for night and day. I could have been there all night giving these guys a ride. Just a quick three, four-minute ride. They loved it. I didn't care about the ride. I cared that I had alone time with at least, I don't know, 30 children. That's all I cared about. I had fun, too. But, you know, it's so easy for us to forget this next generation, and unfortunately, I think too often they're forgotten in general. Or they're looked down or they're despised because they're millennials or Generation Z or whatever they're called now. (laughs) They've got their nose in their phones. And when they're home, they've got their nose on the PlayStation. And it's like they're living in another world. And you know what? In my brain, I think there is another world, but they're not engaging it at all. There is another place the kingdom of heaven, that they could be engaging. and They just need some folks to come alongside. So I guess the challenge from the AGM and from the scriptures this morning and from my heart is this. Let's do everything we can to encourage and support the next generation. And if that means you've got to spend a little extra time, you know, take them to a hockey game. The Timberwolves aren't that bad, are they? Oh, maybe they are. They're second place. All right, second place, right? Now, at first, I didn't want to support them because of what happened with Pastor Alex, but you know what? That's petty. If there's a chance for me to go hang out with somebody at a hockey game, do it. If that's your passion, take a kid. You know, would you like it if a dad took a couple of your girls to a hockey game? (laughs) That would be awesome. You see, you see uh, excuse me. Actually, what I really is about how to ride a bike? Hey. There you go. Some help? <laughs> hey with the kids. We can do that.
2: I've only got two hands and I've got each kid and a bike.
0: <laughs> You're amazing. There you have it. Somebody out there that knows how to ride a bike, come and help. Got two beautiful little girls to teach how to ride a bike. But more than that, pass along a little love. We can all invest. Hello? Especially we've got a few single parents around here. I'm sure they could really help, use the help. So ask the Lord of the harvest, how do you want me to help? What's something I love doing that I could bring somebody along with me? Some kid Some kid that maybe you see ripping through here like a holy terror. And your first gut reaction is to go, I don't want to have anything to do with that kid. (laughs) Check it. Check it. Maybe that's why you saw, because the Holy Spirit wants you to do something for that kid. Hey? Do you agree? All right. So enough of that. Thank you for listening to this today. I hope that it has been worth the detour that I believe the Spirit of God wanted us to go down today for our children and our young people. Let's pray and then invite our worship team to come. We're gonna sing. We're going to sing a final song. Father, wow, I, I just, I, I am amazed at Jesus' interaction with parents and youth and children. It really is spectacular. I pray that you would move in our church among us. Lord, we repent collectively if we have somehow ignored the next generation. And we offer ourselves to you afresh. These hands, these feet, this body to minister your love and your grace and your freedom and a little joy even how to learn how to ride a bike. Because we can do that together for the next generation. In Jesus' name, I pray this on us. Will you receive that from him? Will you receive his anointing? Will you receive his call to come alongside whatever that might look like? In the name of Jesus.